0: We are an authentic biblical community based on all God has done on our behalves. And this morning we are focusing everything about our gathering today on our seventh and, core, our seventh and final core value, passionate prayer. Over the last couple of months we've been walking through vision and values and today we, we focus everything in this passionate prayer because part of being an authentic biblical community it means that we as fully devoted followers of Jesus, we collectively come together and we cast our dependency upon God. So I want to bring your attention to just exactly what we mean by that. What our commitment is in our seventh core value. And it's this, what you see on the screen. Passionate prayer. We affirm that prayer represents the, the posture of our hearts. But not just that, but it represents every aspect of our lives that we are fully, completely dependent upon the Lord. So we take everything to him, Um, spiritually, mentally, physically, everything about our lives are dependent upon him. And especially as we go to God, our Father, in prayer, we, we make our requests known to him. We recognize and affirm that he truly is God, so he's able to do anything he desires. But as God chooses to glorify himself, he doesn't always choose to glorify himself in ways that we wish he would. But when we find ourselves in passionate prayer and depending upon him, even when he chooses to glorify himself in ways different than what we would desire he did, we find an acceptance of that. We find a peace in that. Because when we passionately pray and and depend upon God in everything, we're reminded, however he may choose to glorify himself, he, the maker of all things, our heavenly father, he is always for us, we come to core value seven because that's what we see in the first gathered church, Acts chapter 2. It says there in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the first of four things. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread because a Baptist has got to eat. Amen. <laughs> but number four, this so often gets overlooked. They devoted themselves to the prayers not a prayer not a happenstance prayer so often what we think this is what i what i learned this growing up was that oh the pastor's called to preach on sunday mornings and then the six other days of the week he's in his prayer closet cuz that's his job that was a bad joke okay that's not what's going on here there's that definite article in the greek cuz there's something more to it prayer is that avenue where we cast our dependency upon the lord collectively as the bride And we seek him with our whole hearts and we find him and we are filled and we encounter the manifest presence and power of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And just as important as it is as I am the lead shepherd to preach the word of God to you, I also will answer to God one day in how well I lead you in the prayer So today we're going to do just that. We're going to walk through being a collection of believers, casting our dependency upon the Lord, and praying to Him. You notice everything else that takes place when we do that? All came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were being done Over and over again because they were seeking the Lord in prayer and they were finding him. There was a togetherness about all who believe. There was this unity. It even says all their needs were being met in the righteousness of Jesus. Because they were collectively casting their dependency upon the Lord. In this discipline, in this practice of the prayer. In verse 47, there was praising and singing to God. They were having favor with all the people, not just among their fellowship, but all the watching world. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. As a result of the prayer, as a result of an authentic biblical community, devoting ourselves to passionate prayer, ongoing transformations of life, ongoing encounters and experiences with the manifest presence and power of resurrected Jesus happen Because we seek him in prayer and we find him. So I want to invite you to do that with with me my family and our church family here. I want to invite you to passionately pray with us and seek God as we find him. So we've opened up this morning already in worship. We've been declaring the greatness and the goodness of our God. And as we do that, whether you realize it or not, what we've been participating in on a collective level here. We've been participating in confession. Confession means a couple different things. And the first is what we're already participating in. We've been confessing the greatness and goodness of our God. We've been confessing, we've been declaring our agreements with what this word says about our God. That's a form of confession. We've been saying how wonderful his name is. And we've been declaring that to the heavens collectively saying we agree that his name is wonderful. We agree that there is no other name than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus that brings life and brings transformation. We've been confessing these things as we seek the Lord wholeheartedly that we may find him. It's not something we've made up, but it's what God has fashioned and designed in his own creation. Acts 17, verses 24 to 28, remind us that God, the one who made everything, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made by man, but, but he lives outside that, and now his spirit, God the Spirit, lives inside us as believers. He gives all mankind life and breath and Everything God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods, determined boundaries, determined their dwelling place. God has designed life in such an orchestration and structure, so that in this structure and design we may then seek Him. We may have a burden to seek Him. It says in verse twenty-seven. That day, creation should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him, and find him. And here's this most gracious, warm reminder. He is actually not far from each one of us. In him we move and we live and we have our being. See, we're not coming here to play hide and seek with God. We're coming here because so often every other hour of the day and every other day of the week we neglect the presence of God in our lives. We go about through the motions. Even on some weeks we have better than others. Some weeks we even have great attendance here. We have great numbers of um, those in attendance. We have great numbers of financial offerings. Things are rocking and rolling and quantitatively speaking things look good. But if we gather here and only look the part, if we gather here and only smell the part, if we gather here and leave without encountering the manifest presence and power of Jesus Christ, we have wasted our time and we should be pitied most among all creation. We gather because we seek his presence. We gather because we seek his power. We gather because we have no other hope. And the word of God says when we seek him, we will always find him. It's exactly what God's heart expresses in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, the Lord says, I love those who love me. So we're gathered and we affirm our love and affections toward him, already knowing he has first loved us. And look what he says in that second part and those who seek me diligently. There's only two words at the end of that statement. There's no further condition. There's no other standard. It's simply, if you come and sincerely seek the Lord, who is never far off, though he truly is the Lord and maker of heaven and earth, you shall find him. So as we've confessed in agreement who he is so we're seeking him now, what we know is that there are things in our own lives that hinder our encounters with the Lord. There's things in our life that cause us to be un, um, become out of focus, so to speak, where we're not spiritually dialed in, where we've given attention to things of temporal matters rather than what Colossians said, Seek setting our minds on things above where Christ Jesus is seated. And so as we confess the greatness of our God in light of his greatness and his goodness, it then leads to the more familiar practice of confession. It leads us to our own confession where we confess before the Lord in light of his greatness and his goodness that we are unworthy, that we have royally fallen short time and time again. And so I want to invite you to join me in Matthew chapter 5. And just for a, a few moments here, we're going to allow the Word of God to lead us through just reading over Scripture. An opportunity to meditate on the truths of God's Word. These next few moments are for you and God. We're here collectively, but He calls us first to confess and repent individually in this setting. I realize we've got kiddos in here as well kiddos, if you're able to hear my instructions and participate, God wants you to listen and participate. For some of you, that might be coloring on a sheet of paper. It might be reading along on your iPad or your Bible. It might be just sitting there and watching mom and dad go through this. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to participate as well. So we come to Matthew 5. Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is there with the crowds and he goes up on the mountain. He sits down with his disciples as they come to him. And here's what Jesus says. I wanna just share with you through verse four at this moment. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. What I want you to do at this very moment is this is time for you and God, either sitting in your chair, maybe sitting on the floor and and putting your face in the cushion of the seat with your Bible open. Maybe it's coming down to this altar. Whatever it is, I want you just reading over the Word of God. Meditate on it, allow it to speak into you at this moment. And you confess to your heavenly Father, be it in the quietness of your heart, be it out loud in the the safe place of, of God's house, Confess to your heavenly father areas of your own life of shortcomings. Take this moment, maybe maybe with your head bowed, eyes closed, maybe with your eyes open over scripture, confess to your heavenly father where, where at times, though you know you're called to be poor in spirit, instead you've been puffed up in arrogance. Confess to him how... Yes, you're a fully devoted follower of Jesus, but for whatever reason, the way you've operated this last week has been as if you have something to offer him. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Confess to your heavenly father that you've acted as if you have control. You've acted as if you don't have this impoverished spirit, but the reality is we have nothing to offer our maker other than a sincerity of heart saying, here I am, empty, broken, confused, frustrated, pained, and sorrowful. Here I am. Would you feel me? Blessed are those who mourn. Confess to your Father, maybe you don't even remember the last time you have mourned. Maybe you've been going through the motions of life, professing to be a follower of Jesus. But it's hard to even think of some things that break the heart of God, much less think of when it's broken your own heart. God, would you show us areas of our lives right now as hearts are confessing to you all throughout this room would you shine the light of the gospel in areas of our lives where we have fallen short father i confess to you you've done so much on my behalf as i heard just last night god on a a gaither show saying i've got too much to gain to lose you've given us so much but father i confess Too often I find too much comfort in the conveniences of this world, Father. I confess, I allow the temporal settings of this world to grip me. I confess, Lord, though the truth is that you relinquish the grip of death on my life for whatever reason, I keep trying to grab back a hold of it, Lord. I confess that to you. And I grieve over that reality, Father. When I think of my transgressions, I grieve and I am sorrowful for how I have not lived well according to the name on my heart. It's the kindness of God that leads us to confession and repentance, a a turning from a direction we have previously been going to the direction where we're set and recalibrated, to where Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's what confession and repentance does for us. And here's the most remarkable thing about it. For as heavy and for as real as it is that there is this sin in our lives, when we confess it, we're giving it to God and in, ex- in exchange, we get a burden that is light. He takes the yoke and the burden from us. Acts chapter 3, 18 and 19, give us this confidence that as you have been vulnerable and sincere before God, now confessing your shortcomings, confessing the darkness in your life, he loves us too much to leave us there. But what God foretold, Acts 3, 18 and 19, by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer. He's fulfilled that. And then the call to us is repent. Therefore, Turn back that your sins may be blotted out. In Acts chapter 3, verse 20 says this, Out of our confession, out of our repentance, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Would you be so bold and have such confidence to continue to confess before your Lord? knowing that he is trustworthy out of your confession, he will bring you into the warmth of his embrace and he will love you and he will speak truth into you and he will renew you. He will give you a refreshing of spirit.